I'm going to read two texts from the book of Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, let me, uh, first of all, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And then another text in chapter 7 so of Hebrews. So let me read the first four verses and then I'll flip over to chapter 7. All right. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. Chapter 7, verses 23 through 27. Or 25 through 27, I'm sorry. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it is fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those priests, to offer sacrifices first to his own sins and then the sins of the people, because he did it all when he offered him up himself. So you, you, you re- realize that uh, today is, I, I call these two texts the prayer impact. Prayer ought to have an impact upon your life. It ought to do something in you. And uh, it's, it's a reminder that, that prayer is significant. It is important that we be praying people. Elizabeth Elliot, who was a missionary and her dad, her husband died, but she writes this, prayer feels small if we're honest. In one sense, prayer is small. Just one person praying. But one person praying can summon the armies of heaven. One person praying has the very attention of God. One person praying can change things. One person praying is enough. One person praying. That means every one person here ought to pray. It seems small, but it's significant. I want to share some things about this prayer impact. First of all, be moved by how much he cares for you. He cares for you. He understands all that you're going through. All that you're going through. Whatever that is, whatever that is, he understands it. He understands your personal hurts. I have had my very first church, there was a deacon he had a Sunday school class. He opened the window of the Sunday school class, sent a couple of guys across a two-lane road, which didn't have any traffic on it, but went over to get some Dr. Peppers, came back, closed the window. They drank the Dr. Peppers. Well, some of the good church members confronted him. He never darkened the doors of that church again. I baptized his two daughters. He never showed up. His wife showed up, but he didn't show up. He was hurt. 
Maybe you have been hurt by some well-intentioned person, but he understands your hurts. He understands your griefs. Maybe you've lost somebody. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe a parent. Maybe somebody else. Maybe you've lost somebody. He understands your hurts and your griefs. He understands how limited you can become. He understands your limits. He understands that you are but flesh. You are but people. And he understands that. He understands your miscues and your failures. How about that? He understands it. And we have these failures. Maybe sometime that you have said something you wish you could take back. Anybody? We all have said that. I wish I could take that back. I wish I could just swallow it again. But sometimes we say things and it just comes out. But he cares for you even in those times. And you know what happens? You ought to ask for forgiveness, by the way. If you have done that, ask for forgiveness. I, I'm deeply sorry. I, I pray that you'll forgive me for that blurting out. However, he is the ground of your hope. He is the ground of your hope. See, it's not what you do. It is the fact that he is the one who deeply cares for you. You remember that old hymn? Some of you know it. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whatever betide. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings abide. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. Whatever you've done, he will take care of you. Aren't you glad? Second, keep on expressing to Jesus what's on your heart. Keep expressing whatever's on your heart. He's big enough to take care of it, by the way. Fundamentally based upon your relationship to him. I know we're on Facebook Live and other things. And I want to say to those folks, if you don't know Jesus in a relationship with him, he died for your sins. He lives today that you might have a relationship with him. And maybe you're watching and you've just decided to show up today. And I want to encourage you that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you just let him come into your life and forgive your sins and make you a new person in Christ. And we know that that's the case, don't we? And we're grateful for that. You have the privilege to speak openly to the Lord Jesus. Openly to him. Whatever's on your heart, he can, you can talk about it. And you can be honest before him. Openly and honest. Share yourself in these ways and you'll become closer and closer to Jesus. You see, you ought to keep on expressing what's on your heart to Jesus. 
Look unto him by telling him how much you love him. When's the last time you just sat and said, I love you, Lord? My granddaughter this morning, I was giving her, she wanted banana and pee-pee butter. So I got out the peanut butter and the banana and got the pee-pee butter on there. And you know what she started saying? I love you, Lord. I lift up my voice and honor him. Sherry sang that to her for a long time. And she was singing that as she was eating her pee-pee butter. And I was telling her I was going to go preach. She said, I love you, Lord. I lift up my voice and honor you. So we love him. We love him. We lift up our voice because he loves us. Max Ocato said this, Jesus likes having you around. Think about that. He thinks you are the best to come down the pike. Whatever you talk about, he will listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart. Anywhere in the whole universe, and he chose your heart. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? And that's that relationship with Jesus that I was talking about. Third, trust Jesus with his well-timed assistance. You are personally invited into his throne room at just the right time, at just the right need. You're invited into his throne room where Jesus is and he ever lives to make intercession for you. You're invited into that place. He aids you in just the nick of time. Because it's his perfect nature. You think about this. We want him to answer when we want him to. Don't we? I pray and I want him to answer now. However, he is never too late. And he's always on time. So you think about your prayer life. We tend to want to twist God's arm and make it happen. But he's never late. He's always on time. He offers you complete and total support. Complete and total support for undergirding your life. Because he wants to bless you. Think about that. When his well-timed assistance. Susie Larson says, I am deeply loved, divinely appointed, profoundly cherished by God. No enemy, scheme, or obstacle can keep me from the God's highest and best blessings for me. I am a breathing miracle because Jesus lives in me. Amen and amen. Place yourself in the prayer ministry of Jesus. Think about that. The prayer ministry of Jesus. As he ever lives to make intercession, you join him in that. What does he might be praying for you? 
You can go directly before him with real confidence. So you join him. Heart to heart with him. He perfectly gives you all you need to approach him. He gives total security since he has dealt with your sin. See, sometimes we, we don't think about going before the Lord in, with confidence. Because we feel like we've done something too bad. But you know something? He's the forgiver. And he's the healer. And he's the one who will forgive you every time you ask. Don't become too guilty that you don't talk to him. Because you dealt with your sin. Aren't you glad? He forgives your sin every time. See, sometimes people are so guilty, they just say, I don't want to talk to the Lord. I feel too low. I feel too terrible. But he is speaking and acting upon your path and interceding for you. Jesus is up. The resurrected Christ is there praying for you. Think about that. Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for you. In his resurrected position, he's praying for you. We ought to join him in that. My granny Buck lived in Nocona, Texas. She taught the church nursery at First Baptist Church, Nocona, Texas, for almost 40 years. I don't know that she ever went to a worship service. She just went to the nursery and kept the kids. She kept those kids, a lot of kids, growing up in her home as well. She had that kindness. She was born in 1900. She died in 91 at 91 years of age. But when I was in seminary and I began to, at Montague, we'd go see my Granny Buck. And she would say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And she says, I, I pray for you every day. And she did it as long as she lived. She told me that. I miss her prayer ministry in my life. Maybe that's somebody for you. But you can still pray. Like my granny Buck did. Or somebody else. I hope that you're praying for somebody. Like my granny Buck prayed for me. Maybe you're praying for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, whoever they may be. I hope you're praying for them. We tend to, we're praying for our family. So prayer is vitally important. You place yourself in that prayer ministry. 
And then in chapter 7, he talks about being a priest permanently. So you join yourself with the prayer of Jesus because he is able to draw us near to God. He leads you in prayer, which you should be, and it ought to be the yearning of your heart to pray with Jesus. It ought to yearn and move in your heart. Allow him to teach you to pray. Remember the disciples? They saw Jesus praying. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he led them in the model prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer. But he also, in John 17, began praying for those disciples, specifically. And if you'll read that through, the end of that prayer is for us, for those who will believe through them, us. And aren't you glad he wants to teach us to pray? And we ought to be like the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. And I hope you're that disciple that says, Lord, teach me to pray. His purpose for you is to mold your heart. Think about this. He's the potter and we're the clay. And he wants to mold our heart and to conform us to be like Jesus. And we're all clay, aren't we? And he's trying to mold us, the potter and the clay. So he wants to mold us to pray. To continue to mold us. Anybody perfect in prayer, I'm just checking. I'm not. And I'm sure none of us are. But he is there to mold us. Practice the joy of interceding for your fellow believers. Not just those folks that have big time needs, and there are a lot of those. But pray for your fellow believers. Those that are here and those that just aren't here today for whatever reason. But you ought to pray for your fellow believers. Not just emergency things, but to pray for them. Think about it. Just look around. You can, you can pray for each other on a daily basis. Who in this congregation is on your prayer list? Also, what unbelievers are on your prayer list? If you don't know any unbelievers, you need to get out more. <laughs> Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's somebody that you meet at the grocery store, and you're not sure if they know the Lord. They ought to be on your prayer list. Fellow believers and unbelievers. Who's on your prayer list? Fellow believers, unbelievers. See, Jesus says he's always the high priest. And he is exalted 
and forgive sinners. So fellow believers and unbelievers, you ought to have both those on your prayer list. Do you have a prayer list? You can put it in your Bible. Have a prayer list. It may be up here. It may need to be written down. Why? Because by grace you can get before Jesus. Join yourself with prayer of Jesus. Let me challenge you. Be a praying church. Be a praying church. It may be a Sunday school class. It may be somebody that you just say, come here, let's, let's pray together. That's the way it ought to be, isn't it? To be a praying church. Let me repeat what I've said. Be moved by how much he cares for you. Keep on expressing to Jesus what's on your heart. Trust Jesus with his well-timed assistance. Place yourself into the prayer ministry of Jesus. And join Jesus with the prayer of Jesus. Join yourself to the prayer of Jesus. Lisa Terkust, somebody I read on blogs, said this, a prayer of complete surrender. This is prayer. A prayer of complete surrender. A prayer of complete surrender. I trust you, Lord. I trust your plan. I trust your goodness. I trust what you can see that I cannot. We're limited, but he's not. I trust you with my life, my hopes, my dreams. I trust you with it all, Lord. I trust you with it all. That's prayer. I trust it all. And I join him to pray. Let's pray together. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to pray for somebody maybe around you. Maybe these young ladies are come and uh, are doing a cappella today. But maybe it's somebody you see across the aisle. Well, I bless you that you call us to pray and our lives to be an impact in prayer. Thank you for the silence to intercede and talk and pray for those folks around us. I pray that I'll continue and that they may be on our prayer list and unbelievers as well. And Lord, thank you that these are praying people in a praying church. And Lord, I thank you and praise you that you are the God who cares and invites us to be forgiven and to join you in prayer. 
and to be a people of prayer. Mold us and teach us to pray, Lord Jesus. May it be for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.